Amen. Now, ever since Sid opened, we temporarily moved our office in church uh, to Sid, Sid Initiatives. So just now the video announcement was taken in Sid Initiatives uh, for the past many months. So, and parking around Jalan Green Hall, uh, it's not very pleasant. If you've been there, you know that, oh my goodness, the, the parking, it's bad. It's, it's really bad. I, I, you know, it's either you'll be there early in the morning or you park illegally. Otherwise, you can never get a parking. I, I can't do that. I can't make it too early in the morning, like 6.30 in the morning. And I can't park illegally as well. I can't do that because it just doesn't feel like. I feel very guilty if I ever bring outside food in the cinema. It's the same feeling. You get it? Like some of my friends, they brought bubble tea, they hide, then they use jacket to wrap it, then they, you know, you know. yeah, yeah. So, so that, and then some, my wife used to bring KFC in. Wow. I asked her how she did it. She was like, my cousin brought tapping, you know, their eyes in. I'm like, man, how do you do it? I can never do it. I had, I had one argument with my, with my friend when he, he does that previously. So what happened was that, but recently, I found one trick. To get a parking spot around the area, you have to wait for some other cars to move up from the parking lot okay, at Padang Kota Lama. Okay, you have to wait there, just keep waiting, just keep waiting, sometimes 10 minutes, sometimes 5 minutes, sometimes 30 minutes. Okay? And one day, as usual, I was waiting and finally got my parking. And I heard a lot of cooing. You know cooing? <coughs> you know that kind of sound? Yeah. And, and birds flapping their wings on my right side as I was walking towards Sid Initiative. My eyes over, there I saw there was a man feeding that bunch of pigeons. And instantly, this scene reminded me of the Holy Spirit. Because pigeons and dove, they are under the same bird's family. And, you know, to, so when I was reminded about the Holy Spirit, I was reminded about the dove that John mentioned in John chapter 1, verse 32 to 34. It says that, And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending, and remaining on him, this is he who baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Now, John described in John chapter 1, says that when the Holy Spirit descended from heaven and remained in Jesus, he described the Holy Spirit as dove, as a dove. If you understand the personality of a dove, they are the most hands-off pets. You can't force them to interact with you. You, how many of you did that before? Like, you know, you saw a group of them and then you were like, you know, go and chase after them, they will fly away, right? And, and you know, you can't force them to interact with you, which will terrify the bird, or worse, cause its wing to be broken. So, but John the Baptist related the Holy Spirit to a dove. So, who is the Holy Spirit? In church, we often talk about Holy Spirit. In the worship, we often sing about Holy Spirit, Right? Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. Some of you, if you are from Chinese church, you may sing this song before. Uh, come, Holy Spirit. Right, right, right. Remember? So if you are older, older one is... Okay, never mind. Forget about it. All right. The, we must understand, Holy Spirit is a person. And today we are going to spend most of, the, most of our time 
on this topic, on this person called the Holy Spirit. He is the personal representative of the Trinity on earth. He, he is the Trinity. God, the Father, Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? As a person, He feels for us. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, it says that, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Bible stated, do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. In another word, do not grieve the Holy Spirit to receive it and allowing Him to continue to remain in us is very essential for us to keep ourselves righteous and holy. That's why in the book of Ephesians, it says that it is stated that we should be careful not to bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit by the way we live. Because every time when you say something, every time when one decision is being made, the Holy Spirit is watching you. And He is wondering whether the decision that you make will bring sorrow to Him or whether the decision that you make that He could celebrate with you. And how many of you can say amen to that? And we often relate Him um, as someone that's closer than the air we breathe. So as a person, the Holy Spirit communicates as well. In John 16 verse 7, it says that, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. The I here means Jesus. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send Him to you. Now, Jesus refers um, the Holy Spirit as the Helper. And what is the meaning of Helper in the Greek word? It says that Helper means parakletos. Okay? Parakletos. And this parakletos actually derives from the preposition para. Alright? Oh, we don't have that. We have, we have that? Okay, never mind, it's fine. Okay. Derived from this word called para, which means beside. Okay? Para means beside. And the other word is derived from this word called kalio. Kalio means call. So, in another words, it means, you know, the, the Holy Spirit is the one who, who is called beside to offer support to us. So, in, the Holy Spirit is a helper that is called alongside to help you. He is a comforter. When you are going through, you know, highs and lows in your life, He is there to comfort you. He, he, you know, and Holy Spirit is a counsellor. When you are going through some moments that you need, you know, someone to talk to you, to, to tell you, to counsel you, Holy Spirit is the one. He is a lawyer. He will justify, He will show you from the Word of God what are the things that will, when you do and what are the things that being stated in the Bible can justify your action. He is an intercessor. He is praying for us every day. In, in Romans chapter 8, verse 26 to 27, it says that, and the Holy Spirit help us in our weakness. For example, we do not know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groaning that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. In in over here, it says that and the Father who knows all heart knows what the Spirit is saying. 
Holy Spirit pray and plead for us every day. Whenever you're going through something, Holy Spirit is praying for you. Whenever you're going through, you know, the lows in your life, Holy Spirit is praying for you. In John 16, verse 13 to 14, it says that when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own, but will tell you what He has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever He receives from me. Over here, we know that Holy Spirit didn't just communicate, but Holy Spirit loves to glorify Jesus. That's why you're wondering, hey, how come every time when we come to church, we'll always start with praise? We'll always, you know, sing the name of Jesus high. we we'll always leave the name of Jesus high. It is because the Holy Spirit loves to glorify Jesus. The moment we stop glorifying, glorifying Jesus in our services, in our lives, speech and actions, the Holy Spirit would immediately withdraw Himself away. That's why whenever you come, you go into a cell group, whenever you go into a connect group, or prayer meeting, when people are praising Jesus, when people are worshipping Jesus, maybe this morning, maybe it's your first time, you know, you step into this hall and you were wondering why people were praising, you know, why people were singing songs, why people were jumping, why people were lifting up their hands, they were singing. It is because when we are glorifying Jesus in this place, the Holy Spirit is attracted because Holy Spirit loves to glorify Jesus. Jesus. And when the Holy Spirit is attracted, you realize that the atmosphere is different. It's very different than, you know, uh, wherever you are because the fact is that Holy Spirit is here when we glorify Jesus. Now, can we do this, uh, something very practical? Now, for the next five minutes, can we all just, you know, I, I know we have done worship, we have done praise just now, but for the next five minutes, why don't we just pray, okay? We just pray and, you know, you can pray in tongues, you can pray in understanding, and maybe some of you, you can just speak out the words. I, I want you to just worship. I want you to just praise Jesus. Why don't you just pray, and we, we just thank God for what we have today. We just praise Him. Can we do that right now? Why don't you just pray right now? Jesus, we want to worship you. Oh, Jesus, you're the King of the King, you're the Lord of the Lord. We want to praise you. Everyone open up your mouth and just start praising Jesus. Oh, Holy Spirit, you're the spirit of truth. Shikriyo 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, Holy Spirit. We love you. You see, when you start praying, when you start praising Jesus, the whole atmosphere changes. The whole atmosphere becomes thicker because the presence of God is in this place. I will continue with John chapter 15, verse 26. says that, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the, fa- from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, He will testify me. And, you know, in the book of, um, over here, we, we know that Holy Spirit is state, state that. Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. He is the Spirit that will show you the truth from the Word of God. He is the Spirit that will show you not just a fact, but He is the Spirit that will show you what is the truth is about. You know that there are differences between truth and facts. Facts are the things that are taking place right now. But truth is something that has been said the moment God has created the heaven and earth. That's the truth. And Holy Spirit is here to show us the truth. See, in Acts chapter 1, 15, when Peter was filled by the Holy Spirit, he stood up and he started preaching the Word of God. He stood up and he started declaring about the Word of God. It is because Peter, Peter understand. Suddenly he understand the truth that all this while, he don't understand. He moved in bonus. He moved in authority. And not just that, the Holy Spirit helped us to understand the truth from the Bible, the truth from God. And you know what? What is one thing that will drive the Holy Spirit away from us? Is what we call legalism. Now, what is the meaning of legalism? Basically, legalism is to seek righteousness with God by keeping a set of rules, um, a set of rules or man-made laws. So, it's like you're trying to impose certain requirements so that, you know, we can be righteous. For example, God gave the Israelites the Ten Commandments, right? God gave the Israelites the Ten Commandments and then He gave the Israelites another 21 civil laws, okay? But in Jesus' time, the Jews had added another 178 commandments and 933 civil laws to them. It is because we humans, we believe that by imposing more laws, by imposing more rules, it will make us righteous. It will make us closer to God. And in fact, humans have been trying to keep all the rules all the time because they believe by keeping all the rules makes them righteous. Well, you must understand, the Bible is not against us keeping the, ro- keeping the law. In fact, it's good because with the law, everyone lives in an orderly life, right? Bible is not against us, to, against us keeping the law. Unfortunately, no one has ever succeeded doing that. So, we may ask God, God, what is the purpose of you giving the Ten Commandments? What is the purpose of you giving us, giving the Israelites the 21 um, silver laws? 
Now, you must understand, one simple reason is so that we can become more and more like Christ. Now, the Bible that we are reading today provides a standard for morality. While in another part of the world, the ancient Chinese, about the same time, I'm going to talk a bit of Chinese over here. In ancient Chinese, writing too presented a remarkably similar standard of right and wrong. In the ancient Chinese, that you know, in doing certain things, it shows that you are doing it right. But in doing certain things, it shows that you are doing it wrong. But in all in all, what is the core to it? And they demand that readers live by those standards. So in the greatest 6th century BC, there's this philosopher, his name is Lao Zi. Okay, we all know this guy, right? I mean, if you are from Chinese school, you probably know, okay? If you don't know, just act as if you know them, okay? Now, Lao Zi, he teaches about morals in his immensely influential Tao Te Ching. Okay? Now, Tao Te Ching over here, I will read in Mandarin. It's called Gu Shi, Gu Shi Dao Er Hou De, Shi De Er Hou Ren, Shi Ren Er Hou Yi, Shi Yi Er Hou Li. Okay, what is the meaning? All right. So, basically, it means that over here, Lao Zi mentioned about Tao. And what is the meaning of Tao here? When Tao, which is the truth, when the truth is lost, we are left with morals. When morals are lost, we are left with benevolence. When benevolence is lost, we are left with justice. When justice is lost, we are left with protocol. So if you refer this and you go back to the Bible, let's read from Romans chapter 8, verse 2 to 6. It says that, And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Okay, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. Look at here. He sent His own Son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving His Son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us, who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. And in 2 Thessalonians 2.13, it says that, but we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. Basically, if you combine these two, if you just try to combine this, you realize that when we try to live out the word of God, commandment of God without the Holy Spirit, what we do one day might become a protocol. What we do one day, it might just become another practice. We don't understand why do we have to do this? Why do we have to, you know, pray before we eat? Why we cannot do this? Why Christian cannot do this? Why Christian cannot do that? It is because we are practicing the Word of God without the Holy Spirit. That's why we don't have a full understanding about it. And it's so hard because law is meant to control, you know, our mind. So it's so hard. 
And the Pharisees in the Bible were leaving out the laws every day. But what differentiated Jesus from them is one leaf by the Holy Spirit and one leaf under the law. One goes under the law, but another one leaf by the Holy Spirit. See, the goal of the devil is to make God look useless and worthless to us. So when the work of the Holy Spirit rests upon you, He will show you whatever measures of truth you need. He will untangle the mystery and reveal the truth to us. And the truth will set us free. For example, you know, live by the law. What is the meaning of live by the laws? For example, we talk about cannot tell lies, right? So in the business world, we always find that thin line. What is the meaning of cannot tell lies? What is the meaning of, you know, telling white lies? Right? Have you heard about that? So if you are, you know, in the marketplace long enough, people will say, never mind, never mind, let us say this, okay? White lies are good lies, right? But in God, lies are lies, right? Truth is truth, lies are lies. You cannot put both together. There's no space for lies in truth and there's no space for truth in lies. You know what I'm saying? So in, under the law, it's so hard because you are trying to find that thin line. Okay, what, what, you know, how should I say it so that I can put my word properly and it doesn't sound like I'm lying. But in the spirit, we understand that, you know, we understand that by doing this, it actually brings sorrow to the Holy Spirit. Immediately, you will stop it. You'll be like, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. All right? So, another part, for example, I know some people, they say, Timothy, uh, you know, I don't get it. Why I always fall into pornography? The problem is not with the laptop. The problem is not with the internet. The problem is with what you're watching, right? If, you know, you saw something and after that you keep digging into it and then you start, you know, searching about some images, eventually it will lead to temptation and temptation. That's the thin fine line that we are talking about. If you understand and if the Holy Spirit is staying, is resting upon you and you will have the power to overcome it when you leave out the Word of God. And guess what? The Holy Spirit will only speak and direct believers when one is done voluntarily, yielded to Him and accepting His Lordship. See, we believe in a triune God, the Holy Trinity. Father God is in heaven. Jesus Christ in personal presence at the Father's right hand right now. And the Holy Spirit is on earth. He's here with us. And when Jesus was on earth, He depended on the Holy Spirit as well. In, you know, in the book of John, you can see that how Jesus actually depends on the Holy Spirit. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Over here, John referred to Jesus as the Lamb. This is He of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is 
the Son of God. John related Jesus as a lamb. A lamb suggests us to have purity, to have meekness and sacrifice. And in ancient Israel, during the Passover, they would offer a lamb as a sacrifice to the Lord. Just like Jesus. Jesus was brought to the cross. He did not fight back. It was like a lamb being brought to slaughter without fighting back. He had meekness in him, while the Holy Spirit is like a dove that remained upon him throughout all his ministry. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit in his ministry. If you look into Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, you realize that it's the Holy Spirit that led him into the wilderness. It's the Holy Spirit that rests upon him and after that led him into the wilderness. So even till after his resurrection, he is still depending on the Holy Spirit. Right? In Acts, you can see that over here, until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. There is a pattern of dependence upon the Holy Spirit in Jesus. He relied on the Holy Spirit all the time, every time. And if you look into the four gospel, you realize that the four gospel started off with Holy Spirit and it ended with Holy Spirit as well. A lot of people only relate to Jesus for His love as He died for us on the cross. However, Jesus came not just to die for us, but He came to show us how to live by the Word. He came to show us how can He depend on the Holy Spirit and we too can depend on the Holy Spirit and live out the Word. Like what we read from Thessalonians, believe in the truth. With all that we have said today, when Jesus promised the gift of the Holy Spirit to His disciples, He never surpassed the view or the personality of the believers. He never forced His way into any area of a believer's personality where He is not received as a guest. Holy Spirit is not like, you know, when you pray and you say, Holy Spirit, come upon me. Holy Spirit, I want you. Suddenly, you lost your control and then you can no longer have your own free will to do the things that you, you, you want to do. No, Holy Spirit won't do that. But Holy Spirit will not force His way in unless you welcome Him in as a guest. And the question is, if the Holy Spirit is here today like a dove, how can He remain with who can he remain with? And can he find a lamb-like nature in this place? Can he find a lamb-like nature in us where there is meekness, there is purity, and there is sacrifice? We must first seek the Holy Spirit earnestly. And in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13, it says that, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. So going back to the story, I stopped right there. I was after right, you know, the parking and I was like staring at that scenery, the guy, I call him the pigeon whisperer. So going back to the story, I stopped right there and I was watching what would the man do with this pack of pigeons. So I just, you know, keep observing, you know, it's, it's fun. So because I understand, whenever I get near to any pigeons, the pigeons will always fly away. So I want, to, I, want, I want to know how, whether 
Is he attracting the pigeons, the dove, towards him? Or is he driving them away? So, what happened was that, eating the pigeons, he didn't just throw the food at them, which I always did, like, you know. But he threw it on the floor, okay? He threw it on the floor. At first, he scared the pigeon away. But as he does it more often, as mild as he can, I realized that the pigeons walk towards him. And whenever he's about to throw the food, he will take a small step towards the pigeon. He will throw. After that, he will take a small step. After that, he will throw again. After that, he will take another small step. So as he is reaching out to this pack of pigeons, the pigeons are slowly getting close to him as well. Within a minute, some pigeons actually flew and stayed above his head and some was rested on his shoulder. Okay, I, I, I never call him Jesus, lah, okay? No worries. But something that I realized is that as he tried his very best to be, be as calm as possible to reach out to the pigeon, the pigeon actually reached out to him as well. It's the same thing. To have the Holy Spirit in us, we ought to seek Him wholeheartedly. The Holy Spirit wants us to seek Him wholeheartedly. Hold fast in obedience to what you have heard and believed. In John chapter 14, verse 23, it says that, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. When we keep the word of God in our hearts and our lives, we will be righteous, and it draws the Holy Spirit to come and stay in us. That's why the Bible refers our body as the temple of the Holy Spirit. If you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, it will not happen if you don't keep the Word of God in your heart. If anyone keeps God's Word, hold fast to it as a treasure in obedience, he will not quench the Spirit or grieve the Spirit or bring the sorrow to the Spirit, but will know the fullness and sweetness of fellowship with the Holy Spirit. You know, Christian faith, the difference between Christian faith and other faith is that Christian faith is not about how much work you have done for God, but it is about how close you are with God. It is not about, you know, how many ministries I have signed up, how many connect groups I have joined, how many, you know, meetings, how many conferences I have, you know, attended uh, in a year, but it is about how close you are with the Holy Spirit. It's about how close, it's about how close your heart is with God. And, you know, it is so important for us to come back every time, to come back and to reach out to God again. It's not hard to just prioritize minutes from your 24 hours to meditate and worship God. And He wants us to have the desire towards Him. So thirst for Him. Thirst for the Holy Spirit. The, vi- the Bible often uses thirst for strong spiritual desire. Thirst often refers to one's strong desire towards something. See, Jesus actually cried out, right? Jesus cried out and He said, if anyone thirsts, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Jesus was actually referring to, if anyone you have strong spiritual desire. Come. Come to me. Jesus was also referring, if any one of you, you are thirsty right now, physically, and maybe spiritually as well, you have that 
you know, that desire. You just don't understand why there's something in your life or something that's in your heart that just cannot fulfill that whole. Jesus, Jesus said, come. Come. And the solution is drink from me. The solution is drink from me. When Jesus was crying out loud, when Jesus was, you know, saying about this, wherever he go, he just keep mentioning about this. From the Bible, there is this woman and all of us know about this woman. This woman, she has the issue of blood. For 12 years, she has been bleeding and the theologians believe that she is rich because in the Bible, it stated that she has reached out to almost all the physicians that she can, all the doc doctors that she can, she can find in her place, in her town, in the country. But to her surprise is that that issue of blood never settled. He was, she was never healed. Every time after she sick the doctor, she came out, she feel ashamed because her sickness is still there. But one day, when she saw Jesus, she tell Jesus, she tell herself, she say, I don't care about how people look at me. Yeah, maybe I'm rich. I don't care about how people, you know, talk about me. But to me, my agenda for today is to beat through the crowd. When I saw Jesus, I just want to reach out to Him. No matter what, just one touch. Just one touch. I don't care. I don't care about big. I don't care about the people. I don't care about maybe in the crowd, there are some cousins, there are some, you know, good friends that I know. I don't care about, I don't care about them. To me, one touch. Just one touch. Jesus, just one touch. And we know she be through the crowd, touches Jesus. And immediately, she felt something is different. And immediately, she was healed. And in the Bible, it stated that she, you know, her body was well. Not just that. The well over here talks about her spiritual life as well. She felt fulfilled once again. Her thirst was quenched by the presence of God again. Just one touch. Just one touch. In Psalm chapter 42, verse 1 to 2, it says that, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Now, the psalmist said, his soul is thirst for God. He painfully feels his one for God. He feels it. He feels it. I understand how these psalmists feel. Because many years ago, when I left God, when I left the presence of God, for two years, I never come to church. I never enter into His presence. I never pray. I never worship. Spiritually, I feel very dry. So I try to do as many things as possible. I organize, you know, some charity events so that I thought, you know, whatever that's need to be fulfilled can be fulfilled. But cannot. It just cannot be fulfilled. The thirst is still there. But one day, I just decided to go back to God again, which brings me back to my Bible school day. Every time, you know, Bible schools, um, you pray a lot, you, you study the Word of God a lot, but what really excites me is not the session that we have. What really excites me is every day, 12.45 after school, 
I will walk back from the school to my dorm. It's, it's, thir- it's 30 minutes walk, cost is far. I want to save on the transportation cost. So I walk back to my dorm. At 1.15 or sometimes 1.30, I will just close my door. I will close the window. I will just pick up my guitar. And then I just start singing. Every time when I sing, I only got one thing. I learned so much from this woman with the issues of blood. I just tell God, God, every day when I come before you, I'm not asking for any other things. You are not my genie. I'm not trying to ask you to fulfill my wish. But God, only one thing. I just want your touch. Just one touch from you. That's enough. Just one touch. That's enough. So I picked up my guitar. Just start singing. Just start singing. So I told the Holy Spirit, I said, Holy Spirit, I yearn for you. Holy Spirit, I want more of you. And I closed my eyes, picked up my guitar. And then I start singing. 